You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. Welcome to the Sacred Collective. Um, today, we're going to talk about post-Christianity. It might get a little hot and heavy with theological terms, so buckle up. Um, if you don't like it, then just don't listen to this one, I guess, but I thought it was important to... It's true. You hear that on most podcasts. you don't like this one, skip or fast forward, whatever. Um, and if I sound a little nasally, it is because I have a cold, so bear with me. You can make fun as you listen. Um, but before we get into it, let's do roll call. I'm Brian. I am Curtis. Joshua. Caleb. Kayleen. Let's do this. So, I thought... Um, Sometimes trying to come up with, if we don't have a guest speaker or someone we're interviewing, sometimes it's not difficult to come up with something to think of, but um, earlier this week I was just kind of thinking about post-Christianity, because I heard that word a lot when I was in seminary, in books, um, heard a lot of people talk about it, and our friend Caleb here has his post-Christian production, and that kind of popped in my head too. Um, but kind of what is it? Because I think it's kind of it's one of those definitions that I don't think you ask one person, they might give you another definition than another person. But I found this, and it's going to be a two-part definition, and so then I have some questions. So, post-Christianity is the loss of the primacy of the Christian worldview in political affairs, especially in the global north, where Christianity has had previously flourished. In regards to post-Christianity, it encapsulates personal worldviews, ideologies, religious movements, or societies that are no longer rooted in the language and assumptions of Christianity. Follow? Uh, so the first question... Wait, was that, I'm sorry, was that both definitions? Were those two separate? Um, no, it was like, it was a long-ass oh, definition, okay. so I kind of densed it, or condensed it, condensed it down, because some of it was just... Oh, yeah, gotcha. Where is that from? Um, Wikipedia. <laughs> fair, fair. When, you know, sometimes you don't always have enough time to look at all your theological books, but I thought it was pretty good because I looked at the who they cited, mm-hmm. and sure. it's reputable. Yeah. Not everything on Wikipedia is reputable. What? What? I know, I know. Um, so the first question I thought was, was um, kind of fun is, with this definition in mind, how do we feel about post-Christianity? Do you think this is accurate or not? I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but just kind of at your gut level. Like, do we think that we're in a post-Christian world? Yeah, I mean, do you think we're in a post... Yeah, yeah, like, you can go, like, do you feel like that was an accurate definition? Are we in a post-Christian society in America now? Kind of wherever you want to go with it. Can you just read it one more time for us? The the definition? Yes. Post-Christianity is the loss of the primacy of the Christian worldview in political affairs especially in the global north, where Christianity has previously flourished. In regards to post-Christianity, it encapsulates personal worldviews, ideologies, religious movements, or societies that are no longer rooted in the language and assumptions of Christianity. And the global north refers to basically the privilege that Europe, Western Western civilization has had in the world, um, as opposed to the global south, which would be... You know, Sub-Saharan Africa, Haiti, um, <coughs> countries that Africa, aren't 
Well, um, and I'm going to talk about the global I, south yeah. too. So. Well, I would, but I would now include China in the global north. Yeah, yeah, I would too. I would agree with that definition with an asterisk. I would say maybe it's not rooted in Christianity anymore, but it's in the shadow of it. Because to me, it's like post-Christian infers that it's reacting to Christianity, and that's that's why I would consider myself post-Christian. Is I'm still in the shadow of it, and I, I otherwise it'd be like I don't know a Christian or non-Christian, but post-Christian implies that, or it would just be something else that doesn't even have the word Christian in it because it doesn't apply. But the fact that you're referring to what you are in the context of Christianity and using a prefix like post, a postfix, if you will. (laughs) 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 Everybody now. It's still a prefix. Yeah, I know. A suffix would be a but it's the word post as a prefix. So that's, yeah. that's the hilarious joke. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Thanks for explaining that. Yeah. It, 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 it's, funny. It's, not, it's not funny if you have to explain it. No, it makes yeah. it funnier. It, unless you're German. Actually, uh, just to, so to clarify, prefix goes in the beginning of a word. Uh, well, if it was post, it's ironically a prefix, but it means after. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. Wait, no, no, think about it. No, think about it. Okay, so it's Let's Latin. Sink in for a little bit. Okay. Let's just drench over you. Just yeah. like, uh, Let's close our eyes. Well, but no, I, yeah, I think it's I, the fact that it's referring to Christianity to me means it's still. I don't know. If, in a sense, maybe it's rooted to it or it's tied to it or it's in the shadow of it. But I don't think it's completely well, dis- disassociated. It's it's also uh, tied to civil government. So Christian states, you know, Christian nations. Where America was never a Christian nation, but it is full of Christian values and Christian what? ideas. Um, so. We the, we do have a decline. There is a post Christianity, especially in lots of. There, I mean, how many countries still state religions? I mean, England technically Switzerland. does. Switzerland does. Um, a lot of European countries do. Um, technically, I mean, these are all. But I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that Britain is a very Anglican nation. You know, um, even though that's their state church. Uh, in America, certainly, we don't have a state religion. Or right. never have. But the unofficial state religion of America has always been uh, Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. So even though. Civilly, we never had it. Institutionally, we do. I mean, just look at, you know, Ten Commandments in courtrooms. Um, I mean, think about it like, it's like the whole war on Christmas bullshit. You know, like you're not allowed to say Christmas. Just say Happy Holidays because it's inclusive of everybody. That's part of American values. It's not trying to shit on one religion over another. Because even now today, like when someone says Merry Christmas, it's kind of like, hey, white guy, have a good white day. Uh You know, and it's got this racial overtone that I don't like that bug me. I love Christmas. I love me some Christmas. But it's, I mean, I start. I decorate the day after Halloween. So yes, I you love do. Christmas. I love it that much. Um, I just, I love the because I have a good family. So like, I love going home and I love playing with my nieces and I love having drinks with my family and having hors d'oeuvres and it's, it's fun. So that's what Christmas has always been for me. It's never been. We don't because we have a, a kind of a tight knit group. We don't have like the extended family come over. So it's not everybody's got that shitty uncle and shitty aunt. Like, oh, you didn't mean to say the N-word, did you? You did, you did. Oh, God. Oh, God, I got to get out of this house. Um, Like, actually, there's a comedian, um, Mike. um, He does You Made It Weird. uh, Mike Brubigla? No, no, no. You made it Pete Holmes. No, Pete Holmes, yeah. Yeah. He says that he does a comedy special every year right after Thanksgiving because that's when he's at his funniest. Because he has to spend time with his family, and uh, he just like writes down all the notes of all the shit that comes out of their faces, good. and he's like, "I'm just my funniest." After, but I don't feel like I'm funny after the holidays. But I think I don't know how many people here have good family relationships on Christmas. Like, mine's great. No, 
Yes, Ish. I would say most yeah. of the time. Not bad. I mean, because I know some people I had a dread the holidays. But, uh, yeah, some people dread the holidays. Yeah. So, like, I'm not one of those people. At least in the context of my immediate family, mm-hmm. that's it's a great time of year. So, like, Christmas has those overtones to me. So it means something different to me. It's not like I don't really care about celebrating the birth of the Savior. Like, since it's not even his birthday, shocker. Is mm-hmm. that a bombshell? It's a pagan, pagan holiday. Yeah. Hot takes. Hot takes, pagan holiday that we rebranded and switched over to be the Lord's That's Day. That's the only one, Stupid though, right? Constantly. <clears throat> so Christmas yeah. is post-pagan. Oh. That's pretty good there. Mind blown. That's pretty good. Don't well, tell it to well Christians said. and then get pissed off. <clears throat> Do you want to weigh in? Besides saying mm-hmm. yes or no? Sorry, I rambled on about Christmas. Sounds good. You're fine. It's, it it's... In terms of weighing in on the... When am I weighing in on here? The Christmas thing? Oh, well, no, like post Christianity, whatever. I wasn't sure. I'm like, but the, the, it went in a different direction. I wasn't sure where we were going back. How do you so. feel about the war on Christmas cake? Yeah, just sorry. kidding. I think it's ridiculous, but that's beside the point. It made me think of the Starbucks cups from, 19, from 2015 and how everybody was freaking out that they didn't have any holiday theme, they were just red. Like, really? Are we going to get all mad about that? It was satanic. Those were <laughs> So, anyways, um, but I, I do think we live in a post-Christian world simply because we um, don't... I mean, even 15, 20 years ago, it wasn't a big deal to say Merry Christmas. Now it is. Which, who cares? You know, it's not... You know, we can be inclusive, and that's a really great thing, and that's totally fine. But it just shows you the difference in... How people view things now and it's just different it's not you know it's more recognizing well, that there's other stuff that there's it, other it definitely has lost <clears throat> its political power yes like see, and I, I, seeing, I totally agree with you on that like seeing the scandal that just came out of the Catholic Church in Pennsylvania mm. and the scandal that came out in Boston after 9-11 um, mm-hmm. 50 years ago that never happened and that's what allowed this sort of behavior to happen. Yeah. So that's the true. church does not no longer has the authority. The church now has to earn it like everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good thing, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, earn moral moral authority. Yeah. Or, and in respect too. You don't just give people <clears throat> the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mean, yes, it could happen, but for most 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 people, a David Koresh cannot rise up right now and just say, "No, God told me." And. Uh, you should do this because of that and you know when it starts to get weird people would just be like well he's a prophet of God yeah there's some places that still do that like maybe IHOP International House of Prayer I'm not shitting on pancakes Um, (laughs) what do pancakes ever do to you? nothing but actually I had IHOP's shit pancakes they were delicious (laughs) good that's fine you're shit man yeah and the other flavor (laughs) wow um I don't remember. All organic. So the, in the International House of Prayer, do you think that there still could be there's, a deference in saying, like, yeah, the church, like you the, guys... Definitely there are certain, certain forms of evangelicalism, there's still... Uh, the church has absolute moral authority, and has so if the church says it, you need to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the same sort of places that are still preaching, you know, conversion therapy, and, you know, sort of weird, you know, culty things. Like, don't let anyone teach your kids but you, because they'll fool them full of secular nonsense, and... Like, I saw a guy um, picketing. Were we together? Outside of Target? Or I think we were together. Maybe. There's a guy picketing outside of the Department of Education and just said, um, Oh, yeah. The yeah. Um, homosexuals are um, indoctrinating awesome. your children. Oh. 
Just one dude by himself, just with the sign outside the <laughs> protesting by himself. No one was there. I mean, I, I was, we're probably maybe four people saw him all day. He's just standing there with the sign. Like I just wanted to go take a sign, like throw a sandwich at him. Um, <laughs> you probably need this. You're hungry. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it, it can happen in small bubbles where people are isolated. But in, in this can sound ridiculous, but in. Um, culturally diverse areas where you're exposed to more people, less more religions, less more ideas. Yeah. And, um, I don't think we're that gullible. Right. I'm not saying people who live in rural areas are automatically gullible, but the less you're exposed to, the less experience you have, <clears throat> the easier it is for you to trust someone implicitly. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I mean, when I first got to seminary, I sort of thought that these people need to be trusted and these people know what they're doing. Then I got to know them and realized they were no different than me. You know, the same struggles, the same faults, the same, you know, bad ideas. Yeah, they had a title, but they were just regular people. Like, Mm -hmm. I've met doctors, you know doctors, who are absolute dipshits. We have have one doctor we actually both took classes from who now is like a right-wing crazy person. Mm -hmm. Um, He's, his, like, his posts are so crazy that people would just be like, "I don't have anything to say, and please don't put this on my on anything anymore. I want to I want to talk to you." Wow. Um, but he's and he's gone to this conspiracy theory level of like, you know, Trump is basically Jesus reincarnated, and uh, it's crazy, right? Yeah. He has a P, he holds a PhD, um, so it's that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have a toy. We have a toy. I can edit it if I need to. It's endearing. What Tell us what you got there, Josh. Uh, this what is, is we'll give you? Stinkor from Masters of the Universe. Watch His power is that he stinks. Stinkor. Um, I hope that's it. I hope. I was going to say, does it for yourself stink? Is it stink? It's supposed to stink. How do they make it stink? They put a little bit of more rock fish in it. What the fuck? Is it like a scratch and spit? Oh, I kind of like it. Yeah, it, it doesn't really bother me that much. Just, I don't understand. How I kind of got a cold, so I can't. That's pretty, pretty bad. Actually. I think I wear that same. Smells <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. so like my grandpa, to be honest. It smells like rest of soul. What do you? What do you? What cologne do you wear? Yeah. Ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has a skunk, and they call <laughs> it stinker. So I mean, that's pretty rad. Okay. Enough. Enough of my Except obsession. Enough of my fix. <clears throat> so what you were just saying, Joshua, about uh, how you grew up thinking that you should be able to have, you should be able to just trust these guys in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me of uh, kind of the depth psychology sort of thing that happens when you start going to a therapist, that you have sort of a transference, I think is the technical term, where you think that the uh, uh, analyst is able to understand all of your problems and to give you the solution and that's a natural process that the therapist I think is supposed to kind of let happen at first but the pro- you're supposed to then go through a detransference process with your therapist where you start to learn that they actually don't have the ability to just tell you here's all the things that are wrong with you you have to sort of create a log or a narrative in your brain that figures all of this stuff out on your own. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the problem that I've noticed with the church is that they don't have that sort of de-transference process where they're like, we know we kind of 
pretended for a little while that we're the ones that know what's going on. But you're kind of older now, you've been through some stuff, and we are going to try to help you start realizing you don't need the church any longer, or you don't need this therapy session any longer, and that you have all the answers uh, yourself. You just needed a place to just unwind everything. Mm-hmm. Would you say that that connection makes any sense to you? Yeah, it makes sense. Um, think about this. Until, until Luther, so until 500 years ago, there was one church. Yeah, one well, authority, no, really two. one rule. Well, tech, yeah, East and Western, yeah. and and partially um, uh, in the Egyptian sect, Coptic, yes. Coptic. Coptic Christians. But still, yeah. I'm mean, really in, so in Europe. One, yeah, in all of yeah. Europe, one. I mean, yeah. those pl- it was geographically separated. America, um, you know, we had plenty because we, you know, after the Reformation. But I think about it until when did the Gutenberg Bible get printed? Sixteen. 64. Something like that. Yeah. So people didn't even have the ability to read scripture until then. Even most of the clergy didn't read. So you basically all you had to go on was the word of your priest and they were the representation of God on earth for you. Um, the Catholic Church in some places still is that way. People still view it that way, but it's breaking. It's been breaking everything. Since before the scandals came out, but I mean, sure, since the 50s and 60s, the church has definitely lost its moral authority. I mean, World War II, you know, the Catholic Church, you know, not interfering in Hitler's plans because Hitler was Catholic and he was, you know, well, Catholic. Finger quotes. Dick finger quotes, yeah. Um, he, you know, I don't think he Ooh, I was, I don't think he's religious at all, but, or if, if he was, it was Teutonic myth, you know, not, uh, not Catholicism. But the Pope, you know, as a Catholic, thought he would conduct his affairs as a Catholic person. Obviously didn't, but um, that sorry, this is far field. <laughs> um, but I, I still think the church it still clings to that sort of authority. You know, and that's why they build big buildings. That's why they have giant crosses. That's why they wear vestments and like mm-hmm. wear these really elaborate robes. You know, like that guy's special. What are you wearing? Mm-hmm. And then he looks like a rock star. He looks like Alice Cooper, just religious. Yeah, I just thought they were into hair metal. Yeah, <laughs> with those miters. Yeah, right. I thought they were wearing silly costumes. Yeah, right. We could be on another whole conversation about vestments. <laughs> no, kind of going on some of the stuff we talked about, but I thought um, in this thread that I was reading, it was pretty, pretty interesting. It said a post-Christian world or society is one in which Christianity is no longer the civil religion, but rather has gradually assumed values, culture, and worldviews that are not necessarily Christian. It may reflect any any or several religions or none at all. And I think when I was writing that down, I was like, to me, I'm like, we're definitely in a post-Christian, at least in America, because we can only speak for our context. Yes, is Christianity, when people look at America, you're going to be like, yeah, you know, it's a Christian dick fingers, or dick dick fingers. What Dick quotes. quotes. I like quotes, dick fingers. Shut your dick. No, people will look at us and say, yeah, you know, they were founded Christianity, blah, blah, blah. People will say that. <clears throat> but I think now, especially the, uh, our younger generations, we're saying now you can you can say, oh, I'm a Christian or uh, spiritual, not religious. I'm um, like a social democrat, I, you know, and, and then say stuff with Christianity where I feel like 30 years ago, Forty years ago, you couldn't do that. It was like you were this. It was like you were this, or you weren't. And I feel like now, 
which just this kind of overarching theme of post-Christianity is that why I think we're in one is because you can, like, when I say I'm a mystical agnostic or sometimes when you say, like, you're non-theist, mm-hmm. you know, I think, like, we respect each other for that, yeah. but I think it's because of the culture and society we live in where if someone's like, hey, uh, you know, I'm this or this, uh, I think, and I think it's with generationally, too, because I think you go to millennials or younger, they're like, I don't care what you believe, but then you go to, like, a baby boomer, and they're going to be like, mm, well, it, it makes me uncomfortable. Like, even, they'll say that they're a Christian, even though they don't go to church or else they're Easter, you know, Christmas, or, yeah, Christmas Christians. So, to me, I think, just with this kind of working definition of post-Christianity, I firmly believe we're in that, and I think we've kind of more... There's been kind of murmurings of it, probably, when we studied in seminary for the last couple decades, but I think it's really kind of progressed, you know, at the rise of millennials, mm-hmm. or, you know, and as us earlier millennials, I'm like on that cusp at the beginning of it, but where now, you know, you're like, I can be this, and I don't care. Right. I think that, I, I think I agree with what you're saying. Uh, I would also say that just because I work with, and my roomie is, like, a lot of, you know, younger millennials... There's still, I think that you're right, like, they don't really care what you are, but, like, they're still confused by terms like you use, like, you know, if, if someone were to say I'm a mystical agnostic or a, a non-theist Christian or an, uh, a Christian atheist like Josh, um, then they'll, they'll be very confused by that and, and, like, you know, it's not that they're just like, okay, whatever, man, you know. I don't think that's what you're saying, but, no. but just to kind of, that's just what pops in my head is, like, people aren't just totally detached from the idea. They still have those reference points. And they're like, how do those things merge together? Well, yeah. And and I'm not saying... <coughs> I guess I'm using more theological words. Like, you know, like... Because I've been in seminary, I know what, you know... I don't... I'm not agnostic because I believe in God. But yeah. I don't have to go into the definition again. But I, but I do think with inner society now, yeah, there's some reference points. I definitely agree with you. But I do think, by and large... Like, growing up, when I was growing up in church, you know, if someone was like, oh, you know, I, I'm an atheist, you were like, oh, those people are bad, it's evil. Yeah, someone's like, <laughs> I mean, I heard people say, oh, I'm, like, I'm a non-theist or I'm spiritual. And it was always these, like, no, they're bad, they need to get saved. Or now, in, I feel like in our society, and I even have a lot of family and friends who are still evangelical, and if you say, well, I, I believe in God, but I don't know how, but I don't want to call myself a Christian, they're, they're not all, I'm just talking to segmented people um they're even like okay that's fine so i think you're feeling like you're you're getting this kind of i don't know ebb and flow of i think we're coming into it more and i think people don't like titles even though we're humans always like to give titles to ourselves in whatever way but no i just think it's fascinating so like you know even thinking about us at the table wherever we're at spiritually or politically i feel like if we did this 30 years ago, I don't know if it would be more accepted or we would have to do it in private, right. you know, or we couldn't put this on the, the air. Or, yeah, yeah. Or, and I, that's why I'm thinking, like, why well, I think now um, we are in this kind of post-Christian... And who knows? We, You know, some people say we're in a post-post, whatever the hell that means, or we're on other things. But I do think it was, a, you know, I think it's an important thing to kind of talk about because it does shape our worldview and with our friends and yeah. whatnot. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Chomping at the bit. Are you here? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I had something to say. So, 
Uh, I guess you were saying by the definition that it's the loss of the primacy of the Christian worldview in political affairs. Yeah. And I guess I just have a hard time understanding, like, what was... I think part of my problem is when I hear the word Christian, specifically talking about politics, I feel like most no most none of the countries I can think of actually seem very Christian, even though they might say that they are. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. In the same way that I feel like uh, when the Roman Empire became Christian, they in essence, from what I could see, were co-opting the whole concept behind Christianity itself. And so the whole conversation is hard for me because talking about post-Christianity or moving past the Christian worldview, like I did a fair bit of reading of the Bible when I was younger of who Jesus was, what he was talking about. I feel like none of it really has been implemented in a nation at all. And so uh, it's hard to talk about these nations being post-Christian when I don't think they were ever Christian in the first place. So, oh, I agree with that. To fully. figure out post-Christianity, we got to figure out what Christianity is. Even in an, a nation-state setting, what is a Christian is nation? There, like, is there an application? These are all complex for... questions. Well, well, that was very good insight, too. Yeah, totally. Well, I think... Well, so what I would first say is that, um, especially now, but all throughout the time of Christianity... Ever since the Romans co-opted it and turned it into a state religion, Christianity has been a matter of identity and not a matter of beliefs or um, statements of faith. So, when you're talking about identity, that's that's what we always rail about. We talk about, look at this dipshit pastor said this has nothing to do with Jesus. It's because it doesn't. His Christianity isn't predicated on reading the scriptures, the words of Jesus, or any sort of theology. His his entire worldview is predicated on, I'm a Christian, and that means this. Yeah. So it's his own internal, individual Christianity. So we had the same conversation when we were talking to Ms. China, um, when you were saying, you know, you met a shitty Jesus. I would say most people who've met Jesus, it's a shitty Jesus. And because it, it takes time and study and practice to hone any craft, why would we think faith's any different? You know, uh, but most people don't. It's just identity. You know, you get introduced to it by your parents, and you know, like I don't go to Catholic church anymore, but I still, I still enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But not for any religious reasons, for an identity reason. Um, like going to seminary was different. Like if I would have been raised Catholic, I would have gone to a Catholic seminary and you know, maybe become a priest or you know, a brother or something like that. But I didn't. So the part of the nation state is just a matter of identity of we're part of my tribe we have one more thing in common right? yeah and, uh, so yeah because I would agree like would you ever see Jesus with the death penalty you know would you ever see Jesus you know building a wall um, yeah building a wall um, keeping people out um, being the oppressor separating children from their parents you know, colonizing <laughs> enslaving um, having dropping serfs, atomic bombs king, yeah. kingdoms you know like Lording over others? No, it would be. That's why a lot of people refer to Jesus' kingdom as the upside down kingdom, mm-hmm. the anti nation, the, mm-hmm. the opposite. So yeah, you're calling what you're calling out is correct. Like Absolutely. there hasn't been a nation that's ever looked like. Maybe there has. I don't know Wakanda um, <laughs> that looks like Jesus, but um, could there be though? Like even in theory, because like Jesus was, he was anti government. Like you know, in essence, he was. Rebelling against the powers that be. So, like, it, can there be a power 
that is that is against the powers that be? Or doesn't that just cycle into being the new power that exactly, beats? Exactly, exactly. Like it's like the line from you know the Dark Knight. Uh, so either you you the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Mm-hmm. You know, like that happens. Power yeah. power corrupts, and you know, stupid quote, absolute power, power corrupts, corrupts absolutely. Yeah. But it's it, it for humans. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think once you have power, people don't generally want to give it up, and the ones that do die. Martin Luther King, you know, was assassinated. He didn't just die of old age, you know. Um, Malcolm X was murdered, you know. He didn't just die of old age. When you try to upset, or, yeah, Jesus didn't die of old age either, you know. Like, they they, they nailed him to a fucking cross. They straight up killed him, you know. Yeah, after they tortured him and beat him, you know. Um, So, well, I kind of piggybacking off what you were saying, kind of both of you, I do think... Christianity, from like what I've studied and understood, and, and all that is, I do think for most, and yeah, this is kind of a blanket statement, but I do think Christianity, for at least most Americans, is just that as identity. And because if you ask a lot of people, like, why are you a Christian, or why do you, you know, if you say that you're a Christian, like, why does your faith mean something to you? Like, tell me about Jesus. What are about his teachings? I mean, they're gonna look at you with like a deer in the headlights. Because to them, I think it's like, well, I'm a Christian because my parents were Christians and my great-grandparents, you know, go on and so forth. And I'm American. Yeah, and I'm an American, so it's that identity thing, but when it comes, um, you know, push comes to shove, they just don't know. And I think that's that's a fair critique, at least on American Christianity, what Josh said. I think he had a home run where I do think it is, for most, just straight identity. It's part of, built into them. Yeah, well, I would also say that what we usually talk about is spirituality. So, even though we, you know... Uh, we here or we, we as we here? We okay. here. We're, what we talk about when we talk about religion is spirituality and practice. Um, we talk about orthopraxy and orthodoxy mm-hmm. and how they should be lined up together. Like, if it looks like Jesus, it might be something like Jesus. You know, maybe maybe explain um, orthodoxy and orthopraxy. For so orthodoxy is know. right belief, orthopraxy is right practice, the proper practice because of those beliefs. Um, but I think that's what we talk about. Even though I call myself a Christian atheist, um, the Bible still means a great deal to me. Mm-hmm. The teaching of Jesus means a great deal to me. Even though where you're calling yourself, I'm like, you've got a deep-seated meaningfulness to your, your Christianity. And I think the thing that like we bitch about is that so many people don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't need to read those books. I don't need to know the language it was written in. I don't need to know that shit. Because it's all about identity to them. It has nothing to do with their actual spiritual practices. Right. Well, and I think what you know, I thought was really poignant when Dr. Walker was here, when I said that story, he was like, no, you're actually where you should be. You know, like you're wrestling, you're struggling, you're doubting. We're told that doubt is bad for your faith. It's, yeah. you know, wrong. And like Tillich... I love Paul Tillich, you know, he said that, no, doubt and, you know, doubt is part of your faith. It's like the opposite side of the coin. You need it. it you know, you need that in your life. And so I do, I, and I agree. I think m- most of us need to wrestle. I think, you know what I mean? Well, I think pe- people who are self-aware enough to wrestle do. And that's why when usually we have questions, there's not many people who want to talk about it because they don't have the answers themselves. Yeah. So when... So when you're wrestling, they're like, no, you're actually being a hindrance to my faith. Yeah, stumbling block. Well, yeah, you know, like, that stupid thing, well, I say iron sharpens iron, which happens to be true. 
but it's like, well, we all just self-reinforce each other and we'll be fine. Or like the don't be unequally yoked. You know, yeah. evangelicals use that a lot. Like, what is it? Don't be unequally yoked. Basically saying like, if you're gonna like be around somebody, you guys better be on the same page. Mm. You know, you better have the same, better have the same relationship with Jesus that I do. If you're was, like trying to find a partner, well, partner or even a friendship. Friend. Yeah, yeah. friendships. Oh. I mean, that was built into me in my tradition, like. You, if you're a Christian, you don't marry a non-Christian yeah. or an atheist, whatever, should, should because they're going to drag you down. It's uh-huh. still it's still a view. Um, people look more favorably upon a felon than an atheist from looking to like marry. Isn't that weird? It's really weird. Yeah, he might he might murder me in my sleep, but this guy doesn't believe in a magical being. <laughs> <laughs> um, um. Kind of going in where we talked earlier about the global south. Um, I'm going to bring that in here a little bit. Um, historian, church historian Philip Jenkins states that a Christian revolution is happening in the global south, which is in places like Africa, Asia, Latin America. In these areas, Christianity is expanding instead of declining. Jenkins goes on to state that the sh- um, shrinking of Western Christianity in the global north and the global and the growing Christianity in the global south, Christianity will go through a new Christendom and it will be found in the global south. Hmm. Um, why do you think Christianity has exploded in the global south and declined so much in the global north? I know it's a loaded question. Yeah, it's a loaded question. But I really don't know anything about I think, this. I think it's exploded <clears throat> in the south because... Like when you when you look at people and how they're worshiping, and it's it's about community, it's about being together, it's about it's not about like the institution, it's about community, community, and it's about you know being together. I don't know, I the little that I know. Well, I was talking to Amanda because she was wondering what we were talking about, and mm-hmm. I think the one thing that I said why I feel like you see it is because. In the global north, in America, Canada, like Europe, most of most of us have cars. Most of us have some sort of housing. Not all, but most. You know, we have jobs that actually, you know, ten, twelve, thirteen, fourteen dollars an hour. And I feel like our faith becomes just a thing that gets in our way. Yeah. You know, like this gets into the way of. You know, me and my job and my family and my friends. And I could be shooting out of my ass, I don't know, but to me, that's kind of what came to my head. What? <laughs> Take that mental thing. <laughs> shooting out of my ass. No, and I really do. I, I mean, this is just from, from my gut. But I do think in more economically, you know, advanced societies and more, I don't know, I'm not going to, I shouldn't say intellectually, but maybe intellectually that, you know, we're kind of like, eh, well, we don't need God, we don't need some sort of higher being, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. and we only go to that said being when shit happens, oh, my family, like, someone in my family's dying, oh, there's shooting that happened, you know, this really mm-hmm. thing is bad, but I think in the global south, they're already living in that shit every day, yeah. and they're like, I can't do this on my own, and so instead of do- doing this on my own, I don't know how I believe in this God, but I better believe in this God because yeah. I can't just do it myself. Mm-hmm. There's more of an emphasis on the actual reality of walking with God. Yeah. Well, and believing in something. Well, that, and I mean, when when you don't have enough food and you're having faith that's God, that God's going to provide, that's a different reality than what 
a more industrializing, I don't know, it's a different reality. Mm -hmm. It's a different reality and it puts your faith in a different perspective. So. Yeah, I would, I would say that it's also a sign that the global north is losing its relevance and power. Ooh, you know? Excuse me. Um, that they've seen what we've done and they don't want to do the same thing. They've seen how we've wasted resources and wasted people and caused genocides and had wars and, I mean, been basically terrible human beings. We've basically lived up to the worst of ourselves, the worst of our species. And uh, they're like, I don't think we want to go that way. So, I mean, that's why liberation theology is the strongest in the global south. Mm-hmm. True. Hmm. Not here, because we don't need to be liberated. We're the oppressors. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, Josh, I was going to say that. You stole it. <laughs> you stole it right out of my mouth. You just slap it out of my mouth. You can see it. Go ahead. Go, you got it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like people think that uh, that they are spiritually free to some extent, uh, even though it's kind of like a fast food sort of religion where it's like, I'm just going to grab this and go, take out order, or, you know, go for an hour a week to a church service and then I'd have spiritual freedom. But also I think people have the what I see as a mistaken belief that they have an excess of political freedom or economic freedom. I feel like those aren't really realities that most people have in the United States, but we are constantly being fed propaganda to think that we have yeah. those sort of liber- liberties, whereas people in the South don't have the illusion that they're free in in a political or spiritual way most of the time. There are some great countries in the South, but oftentimes, even if the country is good, they're being oppressed by... Uh, the United States or other sort of world governments and makes it just bad economically. But, but yeah, I, I think that liberation te- uh, theology can take hold in uh, places like the Global South a lot easier just because the there's less illusions. Mm-hmm. And I think that th- that's kind of a trajectory that I have in my own personal spiritual life is just trying to constantly be trying to think of ways in which I'm sort of mentally imprisoned and you know whether that be based on belief systems I grew up with, belief systems my friends have that are easy to mimic or belief systems my family has that are easy to mimic and try to get to the root of issues as best that I can to try to formulate an opinion that maybe isn't completely objective but Mm -hmm. it's the best wi- the best objectiveness that I can reach right. as a human being yeah. as to what reality is and where I'm at in, in that spectrum. Some good stuff. Yeah. I don't know, I'm just fascinated with... I just like studying Christianity. Mm-hmm. Even... I have a love-hate relationship with it right now, to be honest. You know, my denomination knows my life, and even my mom said some pretty... Um, validating things to me about, you know, my views, but I do like studying it and seeing, because everything is cyclical, like history and even Christian history, some of it, you know, how, you know, I, if we in a post-Christian society now, we who knows, 15, 20 years from now, we can be all gung-ho into, like, I don't know, into our Christianity and our faith again. Um, but I do think it's, like, I remember my brother going on a missions trip and I have my own issues but short term missions trip but like to Argentina and Chile and I mean I kid you not they had one church that he helped out with the church that he went with 
they had like 10 services on a Sunday. Wow. I mean, they started at like 6 in the morning and went to like 10 at night. I mean, it was packed. I mean, there was like 500 to 1,000 people there every service. Every service. And then you come back to the States and you're like, I'm going to, you know, you think going to an hour and a half, two hour service, you're like, dear God, get me out of here. This is so boring. Yeah. And I think everything that what we said here is accurate and is right. Um, and I think we're just touching the tip, tip of the iceberg at, you know, why that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be fascinating to talk to Scotty about it. So I think he would know some about that. I don't know. Do you have anything you want to mm. chime in? or? I think that the, the whole liberation theology thing gives me a lot of insight as to like why it would, it would be more appealing to someone who's oppressed because I mean we all just I think that all of us here uh, just from our own per- personal perspective we kind of roll our eyes whenever uh, you know upper middle and, and upper class Christians uh, talk about like being persecuted for their faith <laughs> you know we and I think you know it's obviously like, well, there are people who are, and I think that's a lot more validating, even if you don't agree with those beliefs personally or you don't have the same convictions as them. It's like, okay, I see why you, why this is so important to you or why mm-hmm. this is validated in your, in your worldview. Um, I also think, I, I'm still just kind of struggling with the definition of post-Christianity and with even uh, agreeing that we're in a post-Christian nation by that definition, just because I feel like like our money still says in God we trust. We still have courts all over the place with the Ten Commandments in them. We, you know, we have. I, I just feel like it's so saturated into us. Yeah. I'm sure that there are, like you said, maybe culturally it's shifting more towards like people's mindsets. Like you said, with, you know, younger millennials and, and, and even the next generation after that of being like, yeah, this is kind of bullshit or whatever, or this isn't as important as our parents thought it was, grandparents thought it was. But like, it's still there's, it's still everywhere. I mean, there's still like the Republican Party, which of course, all Republicans aren't Christians, but there's a there's a correlation there. Yeah. Maybe not causation. Especially this last election. Yeah, there's a big correlation. Well, they used to call it, you know, call themselves Christians, whatever, whatever. But I just, I have a hard time saying that America as a whole, maybe within Curtis's definition of saying uh, maybe they were never Christian to start with, but then you're getting into nuances. It's a Christian identity. Yeah, a Christian identity, thanks, yeah. That's so, what Josh said. Yeah. We should be thinking. Right. Instead of, yeah, truly, or truly not Christian. Well, that's hard too because who's the arbiter of what Christianity? Well, exactly. I mean, it's it's all. It's well, and my point wasn't to like. I just thought it was a fascinating topic, and I mean, there is no right or wrong answer. Yeah, for like, sure. Yeah, it's a good know, discussion. If you know, I have my beliefs, you have your beliefs, and that's fine. I just thought it would. I just from just studying, you know, like Josh and I and Kayleen, you know, being in seminary, some of the stuff you're taught, and then when you leave, like I still like studying it and stuff, and just like looking at culture like I love I think as a pastor as a theologian you have to you're like a sociologist in a way mm-hmm. where you're looking at the people and the society around you and yes I do believe like 100% Caleb like our money does say in God we trust mm-hmm. we're this Christian identity I think all of what we're saying kind yeah. of just is melding and meshing agree, yeah. into mm-hmm. what we're saying but I what, what you had said what I had said too is just I do think slowly and it's a very gradual thing but I do think the younger and younger our generations are getting, at least now, and I think our generations are like at the cusp of it. Is we're just like, sure, we're a, sure we're a Christian nation. Sure, I'm going to church. I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. but 
you know, they're just saying paying lip services, that identity type thing. Yeah, I agree. And so that part of post-Christianity, I agree. And the part of post-Christianity where, like, we don't have a set religion in our uh-huh, culture, uh-huh. no, we're not there. Because okay. I still think it's always, I think it's still always going to be Christianity, but yet all over the world, minus the global south, Christianity has been on the decline for a long time. Yeah. I, I really should point out, so in the definition you wrote at the beginning, it says that it's the loss of the primacy of the Christian worldview in favor of nationalism or secularism as alternatives. Well, that's, yeah, so I didn't put the, that part my in. My question but is, uh, from what I see looking around, it seems like nationalism is the new religion. Like, I feel like... For a lot of people, yeah, I agree. If I watch TV, it, for sure, there's way more join the military and America's awesome and political ads than there's anything related to even the word Christianity or yeah. the identity of Christianity. Yeah, you're right, but then there's that spinning veil where they take religion to, to make it look better. You know, like, sure. you call something Christian, it sounds better. There's a tinge of Christianity in our Because there's still something about Christianity that people want to trust, that people are like, oh, they're prob- they'll probably help. You know, they'll probably be helpers, not herders. And, I mean, there are lots of people that do help, but, I mean, helping is hard. Mm-hmm. You know, and doing it well doesn't work the same everywhere. And I think that's, I think that's what we've lost for sure, is the primacy of, like, one theological identity. You know, we don't have that anymore. And I don't I mean we never did. We probably never did. Um, but people assume that somewhere in the past, and we all did, that everyone believed the same stuff and had the same... The sort myth of, of the golden yeah, age. The same yeah. morals, you know? like mm-hmm. and It's like it's just thinly veiled, like, racism and <laughs> nationalism. Like, people will be like, you never would have seen that 20 years ago. What they're really saying is, it's not as white as it used to be. No, it's exactly what they're saying. Um, it's, yeah, it's frustrating. Because my dad's good about this, but my mom... It's sort of isolated now. She's retired, and every time I go home, I turn the TV, and it's just Fox News. And not local Fox News, which is fine, <laughs> no, yeah. but it's the national Fox mm. News. Fox and, and Friends. Yeah, and it's it's frustrating, because she's just, that's where she gets her information. So, what they say becomes true to her. So, it's frustrating to me, because that is definitely nationalism, veiled in Christianity. Because, I mean, you put a religious scholar on, on uh, you know, most of the networks, and they actually try to describe the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus did and the sorts of people he hung around and the sorts of people he spoke against. And they're like, Jesus didn't say that. Get this guy out of here right now. You know, that's what they do. They'll kick him off. Because uh, the words of Jesus are still dangerous. And oh, yeah. still subversive. And that's why, that's why I still say I'm a Christian atheist. Because I think that subversive nature of Jesus is so appealing it's so powerful yeah. because it tells a narrative that is against the narratives we've all been told and we've mm-hmm. all been indoctrinated in. but yet like what you were saying Curtis but it's veiled in that nationalism or patriotism you know it's like that propaganda like I just got into it with uh, a couple people on Facebook they were friends but they're very they never were like this before but I think with the rise of Trump and you know some of these uh, speakers like Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson where, like, white people are getting shit on and, you know, all this stuff, making you, making a white person feel bad for being white um, and raging against it. But I do think that there are a lot of Christians who wrap their Christianity in their nationalism to hide behind love of state, you know, love of country, love of flag, 
love of their faith. And I think that's very destructive because what Josh was saying, and I believe this a long time, Jesus Jesus didn't have a home. You know, he even said I had no place to lay my head. People rejected me in my hometown. Like Jesus was the anti, like, I don't know, anti-state, anti-empire. And when you look at America, and especially American Christianity, I'm like, to me, what's going off in my head is like, how can't, why, why can't we deconstruct that? That needs to be because Jesus never spoke that. You know, Jesus well, was he, never. He, Jesus was never for a nation. Jesus was like, this is my teaching. This is if you call yourself a follower of me, follow these teachings that I do. And that was it. And somehow we've wrapped that into written government and every little aspect that we do. Yeah, not only did Jesus not have a home, but if you believe the Gospels as far as uh, history goes, he predicted that the seat of God himself or herself's home, the temple, the Holy of Holies, he predicted that that was going to get completely demolished. And so, like, if God has no home, Jesus has no home, it seems like a rambling sort of man. It seems like maybe the whole concept of, like, surrounding your nation with walls doesn't make a lot of sense. It seems like Jesus was anti-wall, even the walls of the temple itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If the faith of the mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, be mowed and be thrown in the sea. That was him talking about the temple mount. Being thrown yeah. in the sea, like, take your religion and the, throw it away. The problem is that it's thought, if you look at history, that <coughs> the God, these sort of quotes were written after the temple was destroyed, and they were saying that Jesus said them beforehand, so it's hard to really put a lot of faith in the fact that they were telling the truth, because they wrote them afterwards, but it could be, uh, I don't know, hard to prove a negative sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, I would say that uh, in order to get to a post-Christian nation, we would need to have like an anarchist or libertarian, libertarian sort of nation first. That seems the most Christian. Then we can move beyond that to something post-state. <laughs> so maybe we're pre-Christian. Maybe that's well, and, and, and the thing with terms and terminologies, they're not always the best. You know, yeah. like, well, hopefully I, they're tools for discussion. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're having is a discussion. It's not like... You know, even my wife was like, I don't understand. Like, just with the definition that you found, I don't really believe that at all. Because it was so nuanced. It was like, oh, political, it was this. And, I mean, I cut and edited some of it out, or else we would have been here all night just hacking through every little, like, paragraph. But, no, I think, I mean, I think it was fun. I don't think there's a right answer, but I do think, I think my takeaway from it is I'm really interested in the rise of Christianity in the global south and the decline of Christianity in the global north and to study that I mean I know a lot that who I said Philip Jenkins he's world renowned for studying that like that's what he that's what he does for a living and how he studies it and his findings are just incredible at like some of from what we said some not of what we said of just why the rise of faith in, in a God in Christianity in Christ is so prevalent there and not here which yeah. is interesting. And I don't have a lot of knowledge about that phenomenon. Do you know what the type of Christianity is rising in the global south? It's mostly evangelicalism. Okay. I can't say it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but by and large, it's more 
especially Pentecostalism. Hmm. And coming uh, out of Pentecostalism, that's what I was raised in. Pentecostalism is huge because in my one big critique on Pentecostalism, it is so experiential. So if I go and pray and I say, God wants me to quit my job, sell all my possessions, and do this, who am I to tell you that you do not hear the voice of God? Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't go against your. I mean, this is the way I was taught, and this is the way Pentecostals are taught. Like, you can't. You can't deny that. You know, if you were like Brian, I don't really believe that. I could be like, well, you're wrong because I know I heard the voice of God. I know I heard the Holy Spirit. So when you get fed that by pastors, and because a lot of pe- a lot of the pastors are trained by missionaries that come from America, come from England, or you know wherever. And some actually come to the States and, you know, go to the seminaries and then go back down. Like, I knew a guy from Bethel who's from Africa, came here, did a seminary, moved back um, to, to teach, you know, the, the men and women in his village. But, I mean, it's a phenomenology that's incredibly, I think, interesting. But I also, from what I was studying, when I d- did study that in the seminary, I mean, even Catholicism is growing in Latin America. Like they're like oh, I would, and I'm, I wasn't raised Catholic, and I mean maybe you can attest to it. I don't know how I'm going to use kind of evangelical language like on fire or passionate Catholics are about going to mass. Is it identity, or do they really believe this shit? You know, do they really believe in it? Or you know, like my brother-in-law grew up in Mexico, Mexico City, and I mean he, I mean he lives and breathes his Catholic faith. I mean, and he was like, it's instilled into you in Mexico and Latin America. He's like, he's like, this is, it's not just identity, this is part of who you are. It's your culture, it's your life. And so, I mean, hearing it from that perspective, that's in, like, incredibly, I think, eye-opening. But I do, and especially like in Asia, especially in Korea, for instance, um, one of the largest... Um, Assemblies of God Church in the world is in South Korea in Seoul hmm. um, and I mean it's I want to say it's like 80,000 people they have throughout the week that come to services wow. um, and I mean Seoul is a very you know for, you know modern city you know all that stuff so I, I mean I don't know why I mean we, we could look at every city every every country but by and large evangelicalism Pentecostalism I, I, is rising a lot and it's very, I don't know, to me it's very strange because coming out of that tradition, knowing that, like, experientialness and that experience. I mean, I remember telling my mom and dad, I know God told me to do this. And they were like, is it God really telling you to do this? Or is are you like a 16-year-old guy, uh-huh. you know, who's saying, you know, this? And it did turn out to be they were right. Mm-hmm. But You really believed it, though? Yeah. Yeah. Right, because that's how it was taught. Right, that's sure. how it was yeah, taught by my pastors. Good you know, people in authority over me. And I do think that is one of my biggest critique on Pentecostalism and why I walked away is I'm like, you got some shitty people who are just I'm like, what? God ordained me to preach the good news. Why? Well, because God called me to do it. Do you have any education? Like, who are you? Like, are you psychologically competent? Well, who are you to say, you know, God told me to pick up the word and preach the good mm-hmm. news, so that's what I'm doing. So you, you think God's wrong? Yeah, well, and so yeah, right. well, and that's what they're doing. I mean, and it's manipulation in, in yeah. being manipulative. But I do think that's one of the reasons kind of causal is, is rising. Because um, when you see the decline of Christianity, 
most of the times, and even in your Assemblies of God churches and Oneness Pentecostal, maybe not Oneness, but definitely the Assemblies of God church, you go to an Assemblies of God church anywhere in the cities here in a bigger town, they're packed. They're mm-hmm. packed uh, on, on, you know, Sunday mornings. And you go to maybe some, a lot of Lutheran churches, maybe because Lutherans and, and Presbyterians, we oversaturate. We have churches on every corner. But I don't Just know. There's there, there's something that's in there. Every corner, a bar on every corner too, so. Well, even in my neighborhood, I mean, you can bring you a test too. But over in Dayton's Bluff, I mean, some of them they converted into apartments and condos. But I mean, there's literally a church at like every four blocks, five blocks. Yeah. Catholic church, Presbyterian, Lutheran. And the Catholics are broke, so we start buying up those properties. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I'm a yeah. rambling thing, but no, it's. I would recommend to anybody just study that stuff. Till put a little. Pick up a book by Philip Jenkins. He's, sure. and I don't think he's evangelical. I think he's just straight, uh, like a church historian, and he kind of deals with the phenomenon of the rise of the global south and of Christendom um, in there. So, any other wrapping up questions? For good? How far are we in? Uh, getting to an hour. That's not too bad. Yeah, I don't want to go too long because we have some people traveling tomorrow. Yes. And I was up way too late last night. Same. I think we're all kind of tired. Rocking out to Pedro the fucking lion. (laughs) Um, I'm just gonna, if we can do it real quick, um, do a couple of uh, what what recommendations. I almost forgot what the word was. Recommendations. You made up the segment. I I, and I forgot. (laughs) I'm under some drugs, legal drugs, but cold medicine. Cold medicine. So two things I want to recommend. Um, I actually was guest preaching at a church a couple weeks ago, and this guy came up to me, and I didn't know who he was. He was all like, he's kind of scuzzy looking for like being. And I know it sounds bad, but he was all full of paint. He was wet, sweaty, but the pastor of the church knows you know kind of my heart and my passion and what I want to do. And this guy came up to me, and he just gives me this flyer, and he's like. You know, T, who's the pastor, thought I should just come up and talk to you. He thought you, you would like this. So passed it on. This guy bought a school bus, just a random school bus that a company was getting away with, or getting away with, giving away. And he's raising uh, raising funds to make it into the magic school bus. A portable um, housing shelter for, for people. Oh, wow. That's cool. And uh, I can pass it around the table here, but it's is really cool like what he wants to do he needs to make a lot of money because this is what other people have done it you know in other parts of the country um but it's just fascinating um gonna plug the organization yeah the his his name is um jack heidenreich and um you can mail it says mail all donations to serve ventures p.o box one one two two zero in Minneapolis, Minnesota, five five four one one, and you write down your attention mobile home. And I just think it's, I don't know, really fascinating because what it's going to have in there, the amenities, half bathroom, kitchenette, mini fridge, heat and AC, card and board games, storage for belongings, sleeps eight to ten people, and volunteer staff driver present at all times. Mm. Um, and, and homelessness is an issue in our community. Is it homelessness in Minnesota climbed 4.5% in 2017 compared to 2016. The number of people experiencing homelessness in Minnesota is around 7,668 individuals at a time. 
On any given night, over 330 families are staying in shelters across Hennepin County. And last night, approximately 1,300 people stayed in a shelter overnight in Hennepin County alone. And those were actually statistics from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development and the Hennepin County Shelter Report. So I don't know this guy, but uh, he seems really legit. And I want to, you know, man and I can look at our finances, but even if can give five bucks, twenty bucks, ten bucks. You're gonna help someone um, put a roof over their head, even if it's for a night. The other thing, a shameless plug for myself, uh, I've been working with a former professor at, from Bethel. He still goes there. I'm writing an article, and we just finished it. We actually forgot <laughs> about it for a while, um, but I'm trying to find the uh, 100% the title because he sent it to me. The working title is A Contemporary Theology of Sanctuary as it relates to undocumented and displaced people. Hmm. And we took, I wrote about the New Testament, he wrote about the Old Testament since he's an Old Testament professor, on he wrote of what the city of refuge means in scripture, because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, a lot of even liberal Christians are like, oh, we have to be a city of refuge, where he was like, you don't really know what that means, a city of refuge. Um, where it wasn't meant with that, it was meant about violence and in war. But then he gives way to me when I talk about the New Testament, where um, I, you know, literally one of the translations of um, sanctuary in the Bible is holiness. And 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 I look at it like um, it's a fascinating read. Hopefully, we're going to get it published. Fingers crossed. We're looking at journals. Um, but yeah, it's 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 been a passion project. I approached him, I think it was March of last year, and we kind of both worked on it. You know, I had a kid; he taught full time, and so um, yeah, I just read it today, and I was just like, some of it, I'm you know, seminary trained, and I was still like, oh, this is super, this was super deep. I mean, he edited it and made it sound more theologically, you know, blah blah blah, but. Um, some good vibes that we can get it um, published because then, you know, you know, we can we're calling the church to open their doors to the immigrants and that we want and we think it's even more relevant. Um, I thought I thought of the idea and proposed it to him. He was like, that was right when you know Trump got inaugurated not too long after. But now we've seen what the orange man has done, and now our article's done and it seems like this is a perfect time for us to kind of unload this and super good. So hopefully that will be coming out soon. Anything? Gilmore Girls? Well, I mean, I could you write won't, Yeah, do it. I do love Gilmore Girls, but I'm not currently watching it. Like, you watch actually, the I've, been watching, I've been watching The, the Handmaid's Tale. Creepy, scary. Oh, it's not creepy, it's, it's super, amazing. super good, but... But no, but as a woman, I'm watching this, yeah. and I have a different perspective. Lock your doors. It. No, it's you creepy do. for anybody. So, to watch. but it, but for, for me, a woman, you know, for a woman, I feel like it's a whole different story. I'm like, yeah. sure. that could. It's all based on things that have happened, that mm. could happen Absolutely. in the context of what's going on today. Just watching her lose her child and and having that happen. I'm like, Spoiler that's, alert. That's sorry. <laughs> sorry. Let's <laughs> want so like that. That's happening now. It's very relevant for what's mm-hmm. happening now. I had to like, I, I got really mad a lot. 
Yeah, you want to punch a TV. I know, seriously. Start out. It was relevant to our discussion today. Christian yeah. In Nate's Tale. I know, it's true. Gilead is, Gilead. Gilead is not Christian. Let's just put it that way. It's just a bunch of it's just a bunch of white men who think that they're that they're gods. Hmm. Exactly. So, Donald Trump is kind of just like what, what <laughs> large corp like Jeff Bezos. He's not bird. He's not God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I will take this opportunity to say we are at one thousand hundred forty downloads. Nice. Pretty cool. High five. Lots of different, lots of different countries. Um, are any, any new countries that popped up since last time? Oh man, I should look beforehand. I will say while I'm looking for that, I'll say that our most recent episode that we released as of this recording. That's the one with China. With yeah, China and uh, uh, Zhuji, um is doing very very well. Like just the past three days, we've gotten fifty-five. 56 downloads just in the past three days and that it's been released. Um, very good. I'm, I'm just gonna, it's pretty cool. Uh, wow, our second most... Well, this kind of, oh, this must be like on a month-to-month. I guess this past month, our second most uh, downloads was from Iceland. I've been to Iceland. Um, hey, Reykjavik, you whale. Hashtag Iceland. <laughs> uh, and then Finland, Finland is behind that. Wasn't Australia and like the UK last time we checked, weren't they? Yeah, the top? yeah they were like, yeah. We I've, been the, I've been to the UK several times. So yeah, now we UK. got Iceland and Finland. Iceland's how many, how many downloads in Iceland? Uh, just this past month, three, so. Oh, it's still not bad. Yeah. Probably one guy. Yeah, one dude. <laughs> the shit is awesome. Listen to three episodes. The shit is awesome. Uh, uh, <laughs> that was that. That was like Norwegian. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of everyone's listening. On. So you recommend our podcast? I'm recommending our <laughs> listeners keep listening to our podcast. Great. I would uh, concur. I will also do a, as Brian always puts it, shameless plug for myself. Do it. Uh, you should listen to. It's coming out at. This will probably drop. Uh, yeah, by the time this is out, it'll it'll already be out. You should listen to Revolution Church Podcast's episode called, uh, I think I called it Can We Try? I filled in for Jay uh, recently. Curse was there. I was. And, uh, was it good? Yeah. It was yeah, short. It was... it was very short, but That's I think fine. I said what I needed to say. And I think I, over over the other couple of sermons I've done uh, at Revolution, I'd say I would... I would uh, I've never plugged any of those ones before, so I, I, I feel good plugging this one. I think it's short, sweet, and to the point. To the point. Yeah. yeah. Good. I recommend uh, gin and the movie <laughs> Halloween. Any kind of gin or just gin in general? Uh, get adventurous. Have some different stuff. Branch out. I had Tanqueray yesterday. Try some uh, Scottish gin. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I haven't had that. Unless you've given me it and I just don't know. I probably have. Uh, the Netherlands mm-hmm. makes fantastic gin. Um, this podcast sponsored by sponsored gin. by Tattersall. Your local <laughs> Or they'll send a cease and desist letter. Yeah. Stop don't recommending us. With your fucking podcast. I'm going to be going to where that beer is brewed this week. To shits? I'm just kidding. Yep. To shoots. To shoots. I like to the say to shits. I'm heading out west. Anybody in Bend listening? Fight you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he wants to fight just, you. We want our listeners and their. Well, if they're a rival podcast. Yeah. Oh, there we go. If they're a rival podcast. 
<laughs> if you're all in on Christianity and have a podcast, I'll be, hit I'll, us up. I'll be sitting by the river next week and someone will just come up and pop me in the back yeah. of the head and be like, that's what's up, bitch. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Are you, what are you? That's what you said on the Sacred Collective, you ass. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No! <laughs> I didn't mean to. I recognize you from the uh, the skull icon that's a picture of your podcast. Oh, I shouldn't wear the hoodie then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your skull looks just like that skull. Do you have anything, Curtis? Uh, yeah, so I just had two quick documentary recommendations, one of which is called Citizen Four by Laura Poitras. talks about how our country, uh, because of some stuff the NSA is doing and other people, is not really that free of a place. Hmm. Uh, so hopefully people can realize they're not liberated and then try to seek liberation out hmm. from Jesus or elsewhere after that. And then secondly, there's a band that I love called Crass, C-R-A-S-S. They have a, someone made a documentary about their band. It's called There Is No Authority But Yourself. Uh, you can find it on YouTube really easily. But uh, it gets into some concepts about uh, sort of anti-Christian sort of things. And it was Crass a punk band, right? It was a really? punk band from the UK and punk. the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, and... Also, they talk a lot about uh, peace and anarchy, which hmm. was brought up slightly today as well. Thank you. Cool. I actually, this is not our plug, but I royally got trolled on Twitter today. Someone, I looked down in my notifications, said I had 20 like new notifications. I'm like, shit, this never happens. It was one person that went through like half of my tweets. And you know, you can tell that they were young because it was all in caps. And they were like, how dare you write this? Oh, you say that you're a Christian and you don't like Trump? You know, like, oh, you're... Fuck up. Oh, no, I don't. And then they started trolling me and then put Jay in there, too. It was like, oh, so they, you oh, must God. troll Jay. And he was like, oh, are you um, inclusionary like that Jay, like Jay Baker? And I'm like, man. So I totally blocked him. Good, and yeah. if you ever, I can say off air who this person is or what they're. You can just say it now. Is. Call him out. Um, should I? Should I, I call him know. out? Well, Peter um, Rowland sends pictures of kittens to trolls. Um, so his his, Wait, it was Sojourners, and there was you can tell they're trolls when they don't have pictures of themselves, and it's just like a blank thing. Mm -hmm. Sojourners, and it was, uh, bub I think it was like Bubble Bee. I'm coming after you, Bubble Bee. More like Bubble Bee. Well, like bubble yeah. biatch. That's what I'm saying. But then what? And what he or she? They were because it was like replying to me and like the Inglorious Pastors podcast or me and Audrey Assad, like people who have. A, a, I'm not saying myself, but have a following, um, all that kind of stuff. So this person was a troll. You guys think you can have different ideas than us? We're gonna troll yeah. you. We'll show you. And as always, back at that. Post-Christian Production.